freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your first look for the Tour Championship. And joining me to break it all down, Sia Najad is here. Sia, this is the finish line, my friend. Welcome. This is the finish line. I'm looking forward to it. To, to me, it's like, you know, the finish line means for me that the new season's about to start. And so that gets me really excited. Whereas like in the NFL, the Super Bowl happens and you got to wait mm-hmm. what seems to be like five or 10 years before the next season starts. So yeah, in this case, you just wait five days, not five years <laughs> or whatever it ends up, whatever it ends up being. Uh, Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, welcome to the first look for the final event of the year. Thank season. you for having I guess, me. I guess I should say season. That's season. The, yeah. Right. Because there's still, I mean, there's some significant golf left for this year. I mean, right. nothing like last year, but um, right. The um, PGA Tour's ultimate prize ends today, uh, ends this time next week. So it's uh, very exciting and it's been quite a season. And I cannot believe that it's already almost over. This is your annual reminder. Uh, this is now the third year, Sia, that the Tour Championship has essentially been wrapped into the i don't even know what to call it you should call it the fedex cup final instead of the tour championship they're basically now one in the same because whoever wins the tour championship is going to be the winner of the fedex cup that was not always the case so let's start with we're two years in this is going to be the third year do you like the format change where these golfers are going to start with starting strokes based on their fedex cup rank coming in I don't mind it. I like the fact that you're kind of working towards something, which in this case is starting strokes. I mean, there's probably better ways to do it, but I I don't mind. And honestly, I don't think, I think there's a lot more people that are kind of in it it, when you get down to this this final 30 than than people think. So I, I, you know, the guys that are, let's say six shots back, seven shots back. I mean, all it takes really is a couple of those guys at the top to have one or two bad days. And now you're in play. Now you have the top 15 potentially in play. So it's not likely, but I think it's, I think it's okay the way they're doing it. I am all for removing kind of all of the questions that we used to have, Greg, because we used to get one winner for the tour championship and usually a different winner for the FedEx cup. And it would be based on points and you'd have these calculations running in the background all the time. And they'd be updating it every single shot. And it was very confusing about who was in the lead or what a golfer had to do to win the FedEx cup in the past. So we, we have done away with that. I just think that maybe with the removal of the, uh, the, the first, the, the one playoff event, and then jacking up the FedEx cup points in the playoffs, the FedEx Cup is really the guy who plays the best in like the final three weeks of the year. Right. That And that's a good point. But um, so I, look, I, I agree with Sia. I, I think there are probably better ways to do it. I think there are better ways to reward the regular season. Um, and, and I think there are better ways to create a really captivating playoff. But that being said, this does create a captivating playoff. Whether you like it or not, the thing that's really grown on me and the thing that when this was first announced, I underappreciated was what it would do to the previous playoff events and the field that you get at the Northern Trust, the field you get at the BMW, and and quite frankly, the fields that we get throughout the year. When you look at the super season as a whole, I mean, guys are tired, which means they're willing to wear themselves out for the FedEx Cup. And they uh, they they really do care about it. And they're trying to make sure that they're ready. I mean, they're passing up on 
some players passed up on the opportunity to to play in the Olympics, to be an Olympians for this. So um, I, I underappreciated what it would do to the um, previous competitions. And I think it's really worked and created compelling playoffs. And now here we are um, in the tour championship and, and it, it ultimately realistically, it'll take us one round to kind of get used to it. And then it's going to feel like a great tournament to win 15 million big ones. Yeah. Not only so whoever is in the lead, of the FedEx cup playoffs in the point system uh, after the BMW championship has to sleep on the lead Sunday night, Monday night, mm-hmm. Tuesday night, Wednesday night, like net, like that is never, you know, this is the only place that happens. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, see, so in the first two editions of this in 2019, Rory McIlroy actually won the net and the gross version of this. So he started at five under par. Uh, I think he finished at 18 under, which I believe if I'm reading this correctly, would have been 13 under without the starting strokes. He wins both of them. No controversy whatsoever. Dustin Johnson wins the FedEx cup last year, but of course, Xander Shoffley gets credited with the official world golf rankings win by being victorious on the shadow leaderboard and now we have to deal with that do you care do you not care i uh, don't really care i mean <laughs> I, I think like to, to your point i think the way they're doing it makes it uh less confusing at least with respect to who's winning you know the, the fedex cup playoff so no it's not it's not a problem for me all right and as we finally turn our attention to this year um you know as we chat right now there are nine holes or so to go in the BMW championship. So we do not know who is going to be one through five or anything like that uh, for the FedEx cup rank. But Greg, whoever ends up at number one will begin at East Lake 10 under par. That will be a two shot lead over the golfer uh, uh, at eight under who will be the number two ranked golfer. Then three is seven under four, six under five is five under. And then they start putting them in little groups guys from six to 10. They start at four under 11 to 15 three under so on and so forth. I, uh, I can illustrate this via stats next week, whatever you want, but I, I, there is such an advantage to starting 10 through five under that it would take an absolutely insane, insane week from someone below that to probably win this golf tournament. I, I don't think it's preposterous in one week <laughs> to catch somebody who's uh yeah, what a word who's set, who's seven shots ahead of you. Um, especially when they haven't done anything at East Lake to, to earn that. Right. It's not like this is a guy who's, um, he, well, he's clearly playing well, but it's not like he's just figured out East Lake. Like you, you look at Bryson and Cantlay at what they're doing this week and you say, okay, these guys have figured out this course and they're going to be really hard to catch for that reason. When you're starting with those strokes, you don't really know what the player's going to feel for the speed of the greens. You do know they're in good form coming in. So, for that reason, and having four days to catch them, I think a player that's farther back has a chance. But they have to pass more. the The farther back you are, the more guys you got to pass, and the more good players you got to pass. Like Rory McIlroy started at five under when he won, so he's five shots back, but he's only got to pass four guys. Right? Um, is it four guys or three? Uh, what? Well, if you started five under, you would have to pass four other guys. You got to right. Pa- right? Okay, you got to pass four other guys. So that's not that much. It's really not. Um, and and you go to a place for a guy like Rory who knows East Lake so well, he probably has a little bit of a course advantage there. So I, I think there's a, a number of players who have a chance, but you're right. It's it's important to be close. 
Um, and, and I think over the years we'll see it bear out, which, which is ultimately they give them the strokes because that's what they want. They, that's your part of your reward from the regular season. Correct. That is exactly what they want. And Sia, generally speaking, if I remember correctly to last year, um, you know, our friends over at Caesars likely to offer two different sets of odds. There will be odds using the starting strokes and you will see the guys at the top of the board heavily favored uh, and the guys who are at even par or one under or two under. I mean, I think I remember Mackenzie Hughes was like 300, 400 to one in a field of of 30 golfers just because he had 10 shots to make up. Um, and then there will uh, seemingly also be the regular non-starting stroke uh, version of this, where the odds will be a bit more traditional for a 30 man field. So how, how will you go about kind of comparing those two odds boards to one another? Good question. I mean, I can't wait for the odds odds board to come out, frankly, in, in both of those sort of venues. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, to to Greg's point, I think you might be getting a little bit more value for maybe maybe the players that are ranked six through 10 who are starting at, let's say, four under because they're so far back. But to Greg's point, they do have four days to catch up. So I think the odds are going to be really long for some of those guys that are, you know, six through 10, 11 through 15. Now, it's probably not a great bet. To, to bet a guy who's who's seven shots back. But I think, you know, six through 10, I think there might be some value there depending on how huge the number is. And that's just something I'm going to be focused on. If a guy seven shots back or worse wins this, I will, hold on. If he actually does this, I don't want to say something that uh, I don't actually want to do. I Here will... I don't know what's what. What would I really want to not do? Take a take a shot of hot sauce live. On, like I would not want to do that in any stretch of the imagination. I don't know. We'll think of something. Think, I, we we got to brainstorm that. Mm-hmm. I think you guys are being very generous about who has a chance to win this golf tournament. But um, yeah. listen, it, it's it it is going to. Um, it's going to be very interesting how the BMW shapes out because essentially whoever wins that is going to be number one going into the week. So the, the, the likely candidates of the top five ish are Bryson DeChambeau, Tony Finau, Patrick Cantlay, John Rahm, Cam Smith, Greg in, in that order or in some order, excuse me. Um, they're generally probably going to be the top five guys when we turn the page to next week. Now, is there any one of those, uh, that, when you start considering starting strokes uh, becomes more appealing than others. I I think um, Bryson is very appealing, although his record at Eastlake is not, not all that great. It, it's not great. It's middle of the road at best. I, I think his best is T12. Um, and the other, I mean, this is going to change your, um, your course history numbers. You got to look when you're looking at somebody's course history here, you got to look at the scores that they shot round to round, not just what they've done, what place they came in because starting strokes will have an effect on that. Um, but anyway, I, I think a guy like Rory McElroy, I think a guy like Bryson are going to do really well here. Um, I, I like Bryson's putting right now he's putting really well. And this is the kind of performance like we're seeing now that we saw in his uh, previous wins. When Bryson has won the driving, the driver and driving of length gets a lot of attention, but the difference is what he does with the rest of his game. And so as that looks uh, and appears to be rounding into form, as the fans seem to be mellowing out a little bit, I think that's a big advantage for him. And it, and it also looks like he's going to be starting um, really close to the top. Rory McIlroy 
who's going to get a real nice bump this week. Um, was he in the top five? No. no so as, not, as we quite, speak right? right now, he can, so he's, he's made a move this week. Uh, I remember he started 28th heading into the BMW championship, right. but as we speak right now, he's 13th, which would put him at three under par. Yeah. It's a long way back, but that would be a guy I, cause one he's rounding into form, right? He's right now he's in third place. He's clearly hitting it better. He's clearly making some putts and he's going to one of his favorite golf courses. Just ask Mark Immelman, um, yes. who's a, who, who knows East like the best of the guys that'll be playing it, Rory. So I, I think this week was big for Rory. It's going to get him into a place where at seven under he makes my hot, he's in the back of my mind in the hot sauce bet. Yeah, and, and I, I wonder, right? Greg, I like that I too. And I, I wonder like <laughs> that many shots back, seven shots back, presumably, you know, what are the odds on Rory? To actually do the get the out because it's win. Rory and and he's seven back. It would be fascinating to find out. But he goes out and shoots. Just consider it, Rick. He goes out and shoots sixty two the first day. Right now, all of a sudden, it's a it can be a completely new ball game. It can change. Sixty two is low. Yeah, I'm not. Where saying. is he shooting a sixty two at Eastlake? <laughs> <laughs> well, but the bigger I'm point is, saying. what if he shoots three or four shots better than than the guys in first and second place? Because now you've narrowed the gap and you still have three days to play. Right. Okay. So he, here's the scenario: if he's, he gets to eight, right? He's, he's right he's, there. He's at seven under. He shoots the round of the day. That's two shots better than everybody else. So he makes up. Call it. Um, so now he's four or five back with three rounds to go. Okay, so now he basically has to be two strokes better or a stroke and a half better than at least the guys, all of the guys ahead of him for each of the final three days. I mean, if anybody could do it, it's Rory McIlroy. It is just a, it is a very difficult ask. And that's by design. It's by design. Remember, we used to only have the only people who could mathematically guarantee themselves winning the FedEx Cup when we did it in the point system were the top five guys. This is by design. Yes. But Rick, here's the other thing that I think needs to be considered. The guy that starts at 10 under is playing with a leader's mindset from yes. the first tee. Okay. Like I said, he didn't earn it. He's the leader. He's the guy that has everything to lose. And that's a very rare thing. Nobody except for Dustin Johnson. And I forget who was leading the year. Rory won Justin, maybe Thomas. Justin, Justin Thomas, right? Cause he won the BMW at Medina. So just Justin Thomas and Dustin Johnson are the only two players in history to go into a tournament with something to lose with a leader's mindset. It's never happened before. And I, I think that can affect the strategy and the way that this tournament plays out, which is also, I think it's very interesting. I think that is absolutely fascinating. And Sia, that is why uh, you will not see me next week make a, a bet without the starting strokes on whoever like the top two or three guys in this in this field end up being because you want someone who's in their brain has to keep putting the pedal down because they're trying to make up ground when really they could already be winning the shadow leaderboard right it's kind of a different dynamic so you're not going to find me betting like the top three guys in um in the fedex cup standings without the starting strokes that will never happen i'm looking for value for chasers yeah, that totally makes sense. I mean, the, the mindset issue is is a big one because it's four days. I mean, in fact, Rick, you said it at the at, from the get go. It's not it's not four days. It's actually from tomorrow forward, tonight forward. You're having to have that mindset. How do I want to attack this course? Being up, you know, two shots on the field or three or four or for the rest of the field. So it's definitely something to consider in the betting market. 
the the John Rom thing before we get out of here, John Rom is fascinating, Greg, because as this at this moment, uh, he is he is going to enter the tour championship fourth, which would put him at six under. Now, obviously, if anybody has the firepower to do it, it's John Rom. But I I feel like if I would have asked us this question a week ago, two weeks ago. Like how could fourth seems so low? I was just, I was just expecting him to be first or second heading into East Lake. Yeah. And now he's got work to do. Yeah. But he's only got three guys to catch. So it's, and some of them haven't put together the year that he has, right? Tony Finau is probably going to be ahead of him. And if you look at his year, um, it's, and the wind was great and he's clearly in great form. He played a great round today, but he clearly hasn't done. He has not, provided a body of work that's better than John Rahm's. Um, whoever else ends up in front of him, that's likely the same scenario because he's been the best player in the world this year. He just he's kind of gotten robbed of a couple of points here and there. And, and he didn't play well on Sunday in the playoffs at Liberty, Saturday or Sunday. So uh, all that being said, uh, because there's so few guys to pass, I don't think the strokes matter. It could actually play into his favor. I agree with that. And Sia, before we get out of here, we're obviously going to do the full DFS preview on Monday, but remind me, I think the way DraftKings did this last year is you're going to see some really wonky pricing. Like Justin Thomas, I think uh, two years ago was 15,500. It was, it was very expensive. Um, But uh, what's going to happen is, so each guy will be slotted in with their current position. So Mm. whoever's number one will start the week with those 30 win bonus points, but they won't have the prerequisite birdies and pars and eagles to have gotten him there. So if I remember correctly, Sia, there's a lot of fluctuation with those finishing position points just because, um, you know, we're, we're going to see what kind of percentage that ends up being of the total points throughout the week. Yeah. And if I recall, it's almost like you're doing day four showdown where, you know, once you put your lineup in, you have the finishing position sort of accounted for. And so you're already like right when it starts, you're already kind of like near the top if you end up taking a lot of the guys at the top. So and and, and that's actually a really good way to attack DFS by sort of fading what what maybe the general public or, or just kind of the the casual player might do because their instinct, whether it's showdown day four or whether it's for the tour championship, their instinct is to take those guys at the top because it feels really good to have those finishing points sort of built in. But we know how golf works. And the reality is it's really going to be going back and forth all four days. We one don't thing know how I, golf works. <laughs> I want to add yeah. one thing to that. You yeah. can, w- when you make birdies and eagles, it, it's very hard to lose those points. But that finishing yeah. position... That that is for one day only. I mean, it can go away in an instant. So they're Justin not real Thomas, points. Justin not Thomas lost points. it in five holes in tw- in twenty nineteen. Right. right, it's almost immediate. So you're, I mean, all of a sudden you've paid so much for something yeah. that is, it's really very fragile. So I, you got to be careful. It makes for a, a fascinating fantasy golf game. It's Wheel part break. of the reason Rick's going to have to take a shot of hot sauce uh, next Monday. <laughs> oh, <I think>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what did I say? Three, a seven back or worse? I think I'm safe. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, all right, gentlemen, we'll be back on Monday to break it all down for DFS purposes. It's going to be fascinating. There's going to be a lot of strategy. It's it's going to be a lot of fun. But for now, let me thank producer Jacob. He does all the hard work behind the scenes. That right there, that's Sia Najad. You can find him on Twitter at Sia Najad. That's Greg Ducharme, who you can find at The Real GFD. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut, and we'll catch you next time.